0: Alright, welcome to episode 7 of Defenders of the Bank with your hosts Philly and That's Garf. Hope you guys enjoyed our last pod with El Katrin Muerto. We had so much fun with him. Hope you all learned a lot. Love to have him back on the show. What do you think, Scarf?
1: Yeah, big thank you to el Katrine for coming on. Big thank you to the Cuervos for allowing him to represent so well. That was a lot of fun to have el Katrine to hear his story, to hear him go through everything. Such a great guy. Absolutely. Love to have him back on the pod again, but we've got a special one for you today.
0: Oh, yes. Today's episode is going to be quite golden. We have a very, very special guest on the show, but unfortunately, he's a tad bit late. It's L.A., it's traffic, but he is a legend in the world of football. We were warned initially about his diva-like behavior, and this is to be expected, but until he gets here, what we're going to talk about is we'll discuss the Monday exhibition game against the Columbus crew. We'll highlight the fact that Diego Rossi is going to be getting his green card. Uh, Why that information is pertinent, you'll find out. We'll address the rumor of the long-sleeved MLS jerseys.
1: That's right. I'm wearing my long-sleeved jersey right now in protest of what we're going to be talking about later on.
0: That he is. We're also going to be talking about the reasons behind the switch from SeatGeek to Ticketmaster for all of you uh, ticket holders out there. We'll be highlighting really quickly Kevin Mendoza and Amadou Dia and their contributions to the club. And there's rumors of us finally signing a backup goalkeeper, because as of right now, we only have Tyler Miller. So... Let's get started, but before we do, yes?
1: Don't we have Philip Egemato right now, and he's following us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram?
0: That's a very good plug-in, but he is not technically signed yet. Oh,
1: well, but, we, love, we love having Philip Egemato as one of our followers, and love those yellow jerseys. Oh, my goodness, I came up to Philip after the game and told him how much I love those jerseys.
0: You do, and I think you're still trying to acquire one, but that's okay. So, before we get started, let's talk about today's birthdays. Happy 28th birthday to Splash Brother. Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson, ladies and gentlemen, of the Golden State Warriors. It wouldn't be a birthday shout out thing if I didn't highlight a wrestler. The Big Show, yes, the Big Show, turned 46 years old today. 46 years old. Scarf Wills is on our list.
1: That's right. Today is February 8th. It is a beautiful Friday evening here in Los Angeles, California. That's okay. I've got a couple, you know I bring the nerdy ones. 1820 General Sherman, William Tecumseh Sherman was born. 1828 Legendary author Jules Verne was born. And of course, you already know I'm a Star Wars nerd like Don't no other Don't tell me you found
0: another one of these.
1: Oh, 86 years old today, the man, the myth, the composer. John Williams. Happy birthday, John Williams. Oh, yes.
0: And one other one I'd like to highlight. Happy 57th birthday. Unbelievable. This guy's 57. Vince Neil, the lead singer of one of my favorite bands, Motley Crue. Yeah, 57 years old. That dude's still rocking pretty hard. All right. This day in sports. Scarf, what happened on this day, February the 8th in this...
1: All right. So the man who gave me hope that I would one day dunk a basketball before those hopes were dashed. I don't know. The first time I held a basketball was five foot seven inch Spud Webb, who won the NBA dunk contest today in 1986. I was three years old and the year before I was born for all of you Dodger fans out there. The Dodgers traded Davey Lopes in 1982, of course, breaking up the famous infield of, say, Russell, Lopes, and Garvey. I know we have a lot of Dodger fans out there who listen. I know LA baseball head, who is LA soccer head when it comes to LAFC games. I know he's listening out there. So for all you Dodger fans out there, there's one. But I know you had a favorite one you wanted to make sure you mentioned today, Philly. Oh, absolutely. 1994, I don't know how much of a
0: sports reference it really is, but there was an item from a sport that was used. In 1994, Jack Nicholson, Yes, the Joker uses a golf club to attack a car. I don't exactly know why he was attacking it, but Jack does live in L.A., and he has those courtside seats for the Lakers, so chances are he probably got out of his car on the 405 and angrily attacked somebody with his golf club. Thought it was hilarious that this was actually referenced in this day in sports.
1: I had to give a shout-out to the Joker. Joker, come attack you with a, with a golf club, you're going to run. Absolutely. Hey, one more this day in sports today. February 8th, 2019, we got our second fantastic shout-out from Alicia Rodriguez of Angels on Parade, of course, highlighting... Our episode with the interview with El Katrin Muerto. This is the second time that Alicia has been nice enough to include her on the LAFC news blog, fan blog, Angels on Parade. So if you are not following Alicia Rodriguez and Angels on Parade, they've been nice enough to mention us the last couple of times. Thank you so much. And Alicia, don't worry. We haven't forgot about you. We would love to get you on the pod as well. So again, a big thank you. This day in sports history. We were mentioned on Angels on Parade for the second time.
0: Yeah, that's pretty darn cool. Yes, if you're not following them, you need to because a lot of the LAFC news that our community gets is from Angels on Parade. So now that we've gotten all the other stuff behind us, let's get right into LAFC news. That's the reason why you guys listen to this podcast, right? It's all about the black and gold. This past Monday, we actually had an exhibition game, a preseason game against the Columbus crew. And uh, it was a back and forth game close to the public. And a lot of you guys were asking us, why are the games closed? What does this mean? And the reality is most of these games are closed just because of the player evaluations and because of the fact that there's so many players that are unsigned that the coaches are looking to try out. But they're looking to test these players out in an environment without there being fans They're looking to mess around with their formations in the lineups, and they're looking to see what stick. Yeah, Scarf, let's talk about the game. What happened?
1: Yeah, one of those players that I think is fighting for that roster spot, really looking to make, whether it's the 18 or at least the practice squad, whatever it might be, is Alejandro Guido. And he's actually shown quite nicely in our preseason. Got an own goal early on in the match off of a cross by Alejandro Guido. I think he's one of those players that's really trying to push For a spot, whether it's in the 18 or again, you know, on the squad at practice, whatever it might be, Alejandro Guido got us on the board early, even though it was an own goal for Columbus, it was off of a cross.
0: Yeah, and we actually, speaking of Guido, let's talk about the rest of the guys who started the game really quickly. We had a pretty solid lineup to start up this game. In goal, of course, we had our only signed goalie, Tyler Miller, and in the back line, we finally got to see Mohamed El-Munir, who Scarf and I actually met in an elevator with Mark Anthony Kay. We gave him a Defenders of the Bank button.
1: That's right. I think Mark Anthony Kay might have put his on right away. Mohamed El-Munir, don't worry, we don't hold it against you. We were happy to see you out there in the black and gold for the first time. So yeah, El-Munir, Segura, Harvey, and Brewer started Shaft on the, the start back again line. i love that chef brewer starting it right back jordan harvey at center back so it was fun to see again this is exactly why these are closed preseason matches so that bob and the rest of our coaching staff can kind of tinker with things like this back line so again el Munir, segura harvey and brewer on the back line who led the attack for us
0: So in our midfield, of course, we mentioned Alejandro Guido, we had Atuesta, we had Horta starting again, and uh, we saw the return of Christian Ramirez, Christian Ramirez came back from his stint with the U.S. men's national team, started this game, and up front as well with Blessing and Vela. And Scarf was mentioning it was a back-and-forth match, he already highlighted who the, uh, the first goal came from, but shortly thereafter, the next goal came from former D.C. United player Patrick Mullins. That basically led everything up into the other half where everything just closed out at 1 1. Not too much to highlight there. Of course, there was a lot of tinkering, but our second half begins with a brand new lineup. And I know, Scarf, I know you're dying. I could see it in your face. Tell us, tell the listeners who actually started in goal for this game.
1: Yeah, so. In the second half, my is. My new favorite goalkeeper, other than Tyler Miller, of course, he is. I don't think we have any more fun at games. When other than when Tyler Miller makes a save and we get to yell out Tyler Miller, that's right, we love you, Tyler. (coughs) Choking on the (laughs) beer. What was that? (laughs) Philip Ejimadu started in goal in the second half, and he has been an early adopter, of course, of the Defenders of the Bank podcast. Following us on Instagram, and we had a little conversation back and forth. Really happy to see him getting some run out there. And again, those those bright yellow jerseys that I love so much that those goalies were wearing. We'll talk more about the goalie jerseys and other long sleeve jerseys later on the podcast. But Philip Ejimadu getting the start in goal. for the second half, and Lee Wynn, who comes on as a second-half substitution, put one in the back of the net for LAFC, getting us off to a 2-1 lead, which unfortunately was quickly countered, once again, by the Columbus crew and their rookie, J.J. Williams. That had a great game. Right? That brought us to 2-2, and then we, again, some more subs. Dio came in replacing Christian Ramirez. You know, Christian, so great to have him back. From US national team camp. And I learned something actually from our soccer community that follow us on Instagram. I, okay, so this is me again. This is the scarf talking here. I have been a fan. I think we know that. Of, yeah, but I've been a fan of Major League Soccer for the past few years or so. But I, I look, we all know, I admit, I really haven't dove in. To soccer full throated until this last year as an LAFC fan, <laughs> as an LAFC fan, up until this last year. So, I always thought you got two assists on a goal like you do in hockey. Turns out I was way wrong about that. So, Christian Ramirez made the pass that led to the pass to the goal. I thought that was an assist, and I posted that on Instagram and I was corrected very quickly by some of our fantastic soccer fans out there. So, yeah, Christian Ramirez came out after the first half. It was Dio coming in. And of course, Kevin Mendoza coming in to replace Jordan Harvey in what would be his final appearance in the black and gold. More on him him in a little bit. That's right. And Connor O'Brien replacing Mark Anthony Kay. How nice it was to have Mark Anthony Kay back out there again.
0: So at this point, we're having a back-to-back game. Scores tied 2-2. Things are flowing well, but a missed tackle led to a third goal. For the Columbus crew. And rookie J.J. Williams scored his second of the day. That kid's clearly making a name for himself in that club. Coming in against a pretty solid team and coming in and scoring a second goal was fantastic. And at that point, clearly the uh, the air was uh, out of our sails. Because we let in another goal at the final whistle by uh, Miram, which ended the game 4-2. to Look, we talked about this. This is trial and error. Bob Bradley, what he did though, and apparently he d- used his blessing in this type of a formation and practice. He actually had him playing back in the defensive line, which is quite interesting as an attacking defensive player. Apparently, he played that type of role again in the Columbus crew. Look, close contest. It's done. We got another game against Atlanta United. Will we see people such as Joseph Martinez? I don't know, but again, we're getting closer and closer to March 3rd. I don't want to talk too much about preseason because it is preseason, but we just wanted to highlight it because it did happen. Scarf, what's the next topic for today?
1: That's right. It's Diego Rossi. We are... The guy who scored the first goal against the Sounders. Sounders. That's right. In the 11th minute up in Seattle, Diego Rossi, of course, team legend, scoring the first goal in team history in an MLS game. He's getting his green card. That's right. That means he will no longer count against our international player spots. So he gets to count... Now, as just a DP rather than a DP and an international player, you know, clubs allowed to have at least seven international players. We're really excited to be able to count Diego Rossi pretty soon amongst just our DPs rather than our international players. I know we actually had an eighth international player spot that we traded from Atlanta United, but that expired at the end of the year. So 2019, we're going back in with just a standard allotment of seven international players. And Diego Rossi, one of those players who will no longer be occupying an international player's role.
0: Yeah, and LAFC has taken a really interesting approach with trying to get their players green cards just to open up that international spot. Just to be clear, all right, teams don't necessarily have a maximum number on what they can have for the international slot. For designated player, they can't go beyond three. That's pretty much the case. But as far as the MLS rule, basically the way they do it is there is a total of 184 international roster spots that are divided among the 23 clubs. These spots are tradable, such that some clubs may have more than eight and some clubs may have fewer than eight. There is no limit on the number of international roster spots a club can have. But that being the case, we don't have to utilize that. And getting these players green cards is an interesting way of allowing us to bring in more international talent.
1: Yeah, no, thank you so much for the correction. I think I said seven, but I think it's actually eight per team. It's all good. That's what I'm here for, corrections. Yeah, and, (laughs) and that actually became a thing this last year in the Open Cup when the Portland Timbers, even though they lost the game, they were a little upset, a little salty after the loss. And uh, we I saw Portland, some salt in Portland, they uh, <laughs> they petitioned actually to the league. I think it was eventually dropped, but they petitioned to the league to make sure that we weren't playing an illegal roster. A bunch of crybabies, a lot of you. So, yeah, they lost. More on a very special international signing, by the way, that we hope that LAFC does later on in the podcast once... Like uh, we said,
0: this is the golden podcast.
1: That's right. That's right. I am very, very excited about the rest of this podcast. On to our next thing that we want to talk about. What are you
0: protesting right now?
1: Right now. I am wearing my beautiful black long-sleeved LAFC yeah, inaugural yes. season jersey. If we had some sort of periscope or live cam or something right now, you'd be able to see it. It's a big, beautiful 2XL long-sleeved <laughs> jersey. That's right. And apparently, this is according to the Portland Timbers Team Store, as reported on Twitter. The and NLS, footy headlines. That's right. Footy headlines. This is the last season, or at least MLS is going to be slowly phasing out long sleeve jerseys. They just want those shorts to be shorter, the sleeves to be shorter. The MLS trying to show some skin here. I'm not really a big fan. I need these long sleeve jerseys. I love the long sleeve jersey. They're comfortable. They help you stay warm when it's, you know, 65 in LA instead of 72. I know we've gotten a lot of traction on Facebook and Instagram about people saying, no, don't take away my long sleeve jersey. So yeah, if you can go online right now, find your size and buy it because it's pretty apparent that the MLS is going to be phasing out these long sleeve jerseys, possibly by the end of the season. Look,
0: it's not official. It hasn't been announced so, if it's reported, it doesn't mean anything. There's so much news on the internet that we don't know. Until the MLS reports it, we'll assume that that's not the case. But just as Scarf said, buy them while you can. If the rumor is true, they're not going to be manufactured. Here's a funny thing I learned when I went to get a new car this year. So, everybody knows the Volkswagen Beetle, right, Scarf? You know what the Volkswagen Beetle yeah, is. Yeah,
1: they're no longer making it after this year.
0: Yeah, so they were Volkswagen was having a really tough time selling the car. And so, they decided to discontinue it because nobody was buying it. Guess what? 2018 was the last year... And they started flying off the shelves. Why? Because the minute somebody slaps on that limited edition label, everybody and their freaking mother decides to go out and buy it. So, look, if the rumor is true, I'd still recommend that you buy it. I understand where Adidas is coming from. At the end of the day, they're more expensive to produce. Not a lot of people are buying them. And if you buy jerseys as much as I do, you know, from World Soccer Shop and other places... You'll always see that when the sales go on, it's typically the long sleeve jerseys because everybody likes the short sleeve ones. I'm fine with it. I know there's a lot of people out there that are angry. I think that would easily be rectified if they finally started selling Tyler Miller and perhaps Philip Eggemadu jerseys. We'll see if that's the case. Now, some clubs do, some clubs don't. It's just to the discretion of the club. But that's the story with the MLS long sleeve jerseys.
1: And again, I would like to put in a plug with all of our friends at LAFC HQ and LAFC in general. We need those socks. Let's go. Let's get those team socks. Make JR change his name from
0: LAFC The Scarf to at LAFC The Sock.
1: I promise if we make the full length black socks that the same kind that the players wear in their, with their kits, then I will gladly purchase 12 pair of those and give them away to listeners of our podcast. So again, LAFC... We would love to have full-length, team-issued replica socks just like the players wear, those black ones.
0: Shout out to our boy Malachi, who works at LAFC HQ. If these things come on board, hit your buddies at Defenders of the Bank up first. All right, so now just a quick break and a word from our sponsor. Welcome to segment two of Defenders of the Bank with your boy, Philly and the Scarf. Uh, Hello. For all you listeners out there, you may have heard the final chirp of those crickets, because I believe that Scarfy and I may finally have a sponsor. That's right.
1: Sometime in the very near future, next couple of episodes, we're hoping to work something out, so news on that later.
0: From the time being, you're going to still hear the crickets, but maybe not for much longer. All right, so, let's get back to LAFC news. So, on the 4th of February, the club sent out an email, and if you're paying attention to your email, I'm sure you saw this as a season ticket holder. We are transitioning from SeatGeek to Ticketmaster as far as our online tickets are concerned, and it comes as a bit of a surprise, and it comes pretty darn late. I mean, the season's what, 22 days. Scarf, why the... Heck, did this happen?
1: Yeah, so first of all, it was sudden. Nobody had any warning that this was going on, at least nobody outside of the inner circle of LAFC. And look, there are plenty of opportunities, or at least there were last season, you could screenshot tickets and there were other ways to transfer tickets and to get a couple people in on the same ticket. You know, Ticketmaster has a few more security options so that things like this can occur. Also, your tickets are tied more to your Ticketmaster account. There are a lot of different reasons why it's proposed that LAFC went from SeatGeek to Ticketmaster. But, you know, it's if you've been on any of the LAFC fan pages, if you've been on Reddit, if you've been on Discord, any of the different places where we've got a lot of LAFC chatter going on, it's clear that a lot of fans aren't happy. I know that there was an initial issue making sure everyone's seasoned ticket holder accounts, their payments matched up between what they've already paid and what they owe. And to LAFC's sales team and ticket and marketing team's credit, they've been able to handle pretty much all of those issues. And I know the sales and marketing team or the the ticket sales team has been very active on some of those social media channels, letting everybody know, look, if you've got issues, let us know. They want to take care of them right away. But I know everyone's big question that they're asking – what everyone knows ticketmaster for are those fees tacked on at the Mesky end fees. of everything they sell i mean we're talking about some tickets almost double in price and for our 3252 seats some of those that sell for 20 25 30 35 dollars a game to have 10 15 or 20 dollars worth of fees tacked on is something that a lot of our fans are really worried about being a possibility in the future so You know, look, our first year, we had a lot of kinks to work out. I was privileged enough to be up in Seattle for the first game last year, and the SeatGeek scanning devices did not work for the first hour and a half or so that the venue was supposed to be open letting people in. There were plenty of issues with SeatGeek at the very beginning, but it seemed like they were able to iron a lot of those out by the end of the season So it did definitely come as a surprise to all of us that we were moving from SeatGeek to Ticketmaster.
0: You got the email. I would definitely follow the instructions because if you have a long-term contract, chances are you have a payment plan and those payment plan information and the data is not going to transition over from SeatGeek to Ticketmaster. So when your monthly payment comes through, if your debit card or your credit card is not on Ticketmaster, that payment's not going to come through and you're probably going to get a call from your rep. So make sure you update the information.
1: And look, there's there's one more thing I want to throw out. We we just had a segment a few episodes back Highlighting our incredible sales and marketing team, yeah, those obviously, guys major butt. absolutely led by LAFC Rich, Rich and Pat, and everybody else that's involved. But also, all of those great ticket reps out there. I think it was what we had what thirteen of the top eighteen new ticket sales reps in all of the MLS. And if you've got an issue, reach out to them. They'll definitely try and take care of you as best they can. We personally, you and I, Philly, have had nothing but solid relationships and great results. Peyton and Lily,
0: they're fantastic.
1: That's right. So again, reach out to your ticket reps. If there are any issues, any problems whatsoever, reach out to them. There's a reason why we have the best sales team in Major League Soccer.
0: Let's talk about a couple of players that were on the LAFC roster that unfortunately are no longer with us. And the first one that we'd like to highlight is Kevin Mendoza. Now, Kevin Mendoza was one of our draft picks. Fourth round pick, 73rd from Liberty University. He was very much a long shot to make the squad, but he did make an impact on the pitch, in particular in that Vissel Kobe game where he punched in that fourth goal. He really played his tail off. There clearly is a lot of talent there, but he recently departed training
1: camp without a contract offer. Scarf, what do you have to say? Yeah, you know, I think you definitely hit the nail on the head with that one, Philly, where you said we're stacked right now at the midfield forward line. I mean, it's almost impossible. All of our draft picks were midfielders. Yeah, it's almost impossible to break through with the amount of talent that we have. And again, if you've seen or heard any of the chatter on Facebook, on Reddit, on Instagram, it's going to be so tough to make it at that position. I was so glad he was able to score a goal, put it in the back of the net for the black and gold, that fourth one against Vissel Kobe. This is the first time, by the way, that you mentioned where he went to school without singing that... Uh, liberty, 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 oh, liberty. But yeah, no, good luck to <laughs> Kevin Mendoza. Again, he was another one who followed us early on. I appreciate that. Yeah, right? at K-V-I-N Varela, K-V-I-N Varela, V-A-R-E-L-A. So again, thank you so much, Kevin, for the for the early follow. We wish you all the best in your endeavors. I know you're out there looking for a pro contract right now. I hope you find one. But the other player that we want to talk about, Amadou Dia, he's already got a pro contract and has had one now for the last season or two with a particular club. Philly, why don't you talk to us about Amadou Dia? He played a considerable amount in the first two
0: preseason games. I mean, the kid's a fullback. He even spent some time in Sporting Kansas City and the Montreal Impact. He did, though, return to Phoenix after the Vissel kobe game, and then he played this past Saturday against Minnesota United. Now, the door isn't necessarily shut on this kid. He could be an individual that we sign should we need his services down the road. I think we might see Amadou Dia. Again, Bob Bradley felt strongly enough to like let this kid play, and he does have a pro contract, and we do have a really good relationship with Phoenix Rising. For all of you guys that don't know, we had Shaft Brewer and Tristan Blackman that were sent down there, and Scarf Those players on that squad did pretty good, wouldn't you say?
1: Oh, we have mentioned Phoenix Rising FC several times on our pod. Of course, I was able to go down, along with my girlfriend Nina, we were able to go down to the USL Championships and watch Phoenix Rising FC take on Orange County Soccer Club And the fans for Phoenix Rising FC, first of all, Los Benditos, their supporters (laughs) section. There, it was like the 32:52, but like 300 of them all in this small soccer pitch down in Irvine. They killed it the entire match. This was supposed to be a home game for OCSC. But, oh my goodness, the Phoenix fans came in waves. Los Banditos, they were awesome out there. And Amadou Dia played in that game. Amadou Dia's got a lot of MLS experience and now going back for a second stint with Phoenix Rising FC. So we wish him all the best, but he's one again, like you mentioned. We could see him come back and forth throughout the season.
0: I wouldn't be surprised, and we're going to welcome him back with open arms. Now, last bit we're going to talk about as far as LAFC news, because our guest still hasn't shown up. We're going to talk about the rumor mill that we read on Angels on Parade. Yes, we shouted them out earlier. Angels on Parade, get your LAFC news there. There's an individual by the name of Pablo Cisniega who is currently under the Real Sociedad roster. Now, apparently, we are looking at him. Now, we only have one goalkeeper signed to our roster, and that is Tyler Miller. All right, so clearly we need another one, but we also have Philip Ejimato, who's gotten a little bit of time. As far as Pablo's concerned... He's not necessarily going to come over to us as a free agent. He's going to come to us more along the lines of a trial player. Maybe he makes the club. He spent his entire career, as we mentioned, at Real Sociedad, which was the same exact club that we had Carlos Vela come from, but he has yet to break through to the first club. And Scarf, kid's been plagued by injuries for quite a while, and he's only 23.
1: Yeah, you know, this is a thing that I worry about a little bit with our our goalkeepers, Last year, of course, you know, we had Quillen Roberts on the roster for much of the season, but he was too injured to play. We had Charlie Lyon, who barely saw the pitch for us. I think he played at least in an Open Cup game and, and he got some minutes in preseason. Tyler's been incredibly effective. Obviously, no one is gunning, at least as far as we've heard, for Tyler Miller's number one spot, but. You know, you can only tax Tyler so much. He played almost every single minute of every single game for us last season and did a great job, by the way. We love Tyler Miller. That's right. We love Tyler. But, you know, it would be great for us to have a little bit of depth out there on the goalkeeping line I love, I'm a big fan of Philip Ejimadu, so I'm hoping we're able to sign Him, he's he's athletic, he's Rangy, uh, so that'll be great This new goalkeeper, Pablo Cisniega The injury bug has definitely Hit, he had a ruptured Spleen as far as I believe, coming back From a pretty big shoulder injury And so, you know, like you said, I'm really Hoping we sign Philip Ejimadu, But we'll see what happens with the rest of our goalies
0: Whoa, hold up well, look there at that. that. Come on. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, our guest has finally decided to show up even though he's 30 minutes
2: late. Yeah, I would have been here much sooner if you guys had actually sent the Uber that we agreed and not an Uber Pool. I've been up to Burbank. I don't uh, know where else. Like three stops. It took feel, me an hour
1: and a half to get here. I feel like we should have planned that a little bit better. Let's get his audio all set up and then we'll introduce the world to our special guest right after this break. <music> All right, welcome
0: back to segment three of Defenders of the Bank with Philly and the Scarf. We have a very special guest and he finally decided to show up despite being 30 minutes late.
2: Well, yeah, like I said, if you guys had actually sent me in an Uber Black or an Uber Lux or something, I would have got here a lot quicker. But do I I need to put these headphones on because I can't? You do and you may have to cover that legendary earring of yours. Yeah, all right, well, I'll just slightly prop it like that it looks That's
0: good on you and it's not messing up everything your hair. looks good on me mate <laughs> all right if you haven't figured it out yet ladies and gentlemen we would like to welcome a legend in the game of football This man has seen his fair share of goals, punching 172 in the back of the net. He's hoisted F.A. Vases. He's been chased around Watford, played at legendary clubs such as Arsenal and Chelsea, just to name a few. He's even had himself a 90-second cap with England before being harshly sent off. Known as a reckless wanker, a traitorous tosspot, number 69 on the pitch, but
1: number one on England's most hated list. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Gary Gold. All right, guys. Happy to be here. You sound it, Gary. Thank you so much for coming on with us. That
2: was obviously the abridged bio. You did mention some of my other achievements.
1: There's just so many to
0: name. I had to highlight at least the goals. Yeah, shagged a few page-free girls in my time as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you did. Look, Gary, welcome to Defenders of the Bank. You know, we spoke to D- your agent, Diego Bravo. His list of demands for you, I got to say, it was damn near impossible finding this many bag of Funyuns. I thought you had a five-bag-a-day habit. You've basically made us run around LA finding findings for you.
2: To be honest, like I, I do eat a lot, but I just was trying to test you guys because I've heard that, you know, like Gwen Stefani or Jay lo will like have these crazy demands. Sure. So It's like, I want to know how serious this podcast is. I want to know uh, what I'm getting into. Gary, how do we do? You did very well. I can see you got the ten bags of Funyuns right here. I mean, listeners can hear me rusting those. <laughs> I'm actually going to pop one in my mouth right now. And if Funyuns are listening, I am available for a sponsorship deal. So,
0: all right. So, Gary, I gotta say, congrats on your premiere. We were there at the show at Free Play LA a couple of weeks ago. It was a blast. In case for you listeners out there, you haven't seen it or you couldn't hear it that day. The conclusion of the Gary Gold story just came out yesterday. Check YouTube to see how it all ends. Now,
2: www.youtube.com slash the Gary Gold.
0: And if YouTube, you're listening, he might still need a sponsor.
1: Yeah, that's right. Don't forget when you're talking about following Gary Gold on any of the social media outlets out there, it's at the Gary Gold. So if you're looking for any other Gary Gold, you're gonna get the wrong one at The Gary Gold. I'm sure you've got a pretty crazy night of
0: DJing and VIPing all around LA. So let's get started. Big time. Gary, let's start off with the basics. You know, tell us about your childhood growing up in Bromford and when you first started playing football.
2: Yeah, so I mean, to be honest, like, I was born to play football. You know, even when I was a sperm from my dad, when I was a sperm, swimming up my mum's uterus. You know, i seen the gull, my mum's egg. I've got smashed it in the top corner, haven't I? Yeah, you know, even in the womb, I was playing keepy uppies with umbilical cord, and my dad felt my dad felt my mum's stomach. This is what he told me. He said, "Felt the stomach he goes. Oh God, feel those kicks. He's going to be a footballer or a hooligan. Either way, I'll be proud." And yeah, I chose the football route, but uh, made him proud. Started playing on a team, the Romford Rascals, at uh, six years old. Was also was always going to be a striker. You know, I just have an eye for goal. I had a dog as a kid ollie and she had a kennel so used to use that for target practice trying to trying to get in the hole of the kennel that was really you know it's really useful that really gave me that that killer instinct i think that's what the scouts saw in me when they came down when i was 14 years old that's what the arsenal scouts saw in me um they they know i can put the ball in the back of the net unlike a lot of the lafc guys so.
1: so so gary how did you choose the number 69
2: well a lot of people think 69 is a sexual reference it's not let me tell you. I mean, it was the first. It was the minute I came on for Arsenal, made my debut for Arsenal, the 69th minute yeah. against uh, West Brom, Carling Cup, the Hawthorns, uh, and I scored in that game. And of course, number nine was taken. You know, obviously, very people very very protective over who's going to get the number nine shirt. So, came on the 69th minute. I thought, wow. You know, I believe in in threes. The rule of threes. Six times three is nine. So. Uh, 69 made sense and it just all came together yeah it's not a sexual reference in fact I don't really like doing that 69 thing sometimes I'll do a 99 sometimes a 66 but I'm not a 69 I don't know where that rumor started but I just want to put it to bed now
0: so you're talking about you know your first entry onto the pitch look you were loaned out early on after you made your debut with Arsenal in the Carling Cup and you spent the next few years on loan to several different clubs you spent the 2004 season at Portsmouth where you scored 24 goals and got the golden boot but how bitter of a pill was it that you missed out on the 2003-2004 Invincibles Arsenal season and did you use that departure from Arsenal as ammunition to fuel your golden boot campaign
2: I mean I was part of the Invincibles which was the season before where we, we did lose a few games. Obviously, getting sold is all, all, always hard, especially when it's the club you support. But that was fuel to me. Like when I went went to Portsmouth, it's on the south coast, just a lot of old people there, to be honest with you. Not London, let's put it like that. But, you know, I think it was Gandhi that once said, it's not how hard you get hit, it's how hard you come back and not get the other bloke out, and um,
1: <laughs> that, that does sound like Mahatma Gandhi. Yeah, very yeah.
2: much like Gandhi. With every with every knock back comes a chance to rebuild. So when I went to Portsmouth, I was like, I put my head down and I started. I, I it's the first time in my life I actually thought maybe there's something to this training thing. I remembered Burkamp at that point, and I thought, well, I'm going to be out on the field. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do target practice, and it paid off. I actually won the Golden Boot that season, 24 goals, so the best probably. The, the highest scoring season of my career. Of course, I got distracted after that. It went to my head a bit, but I think Arsenal regret it in the end. I made them regret it.
0: Well, you clearly had a successful campaign at Portsmouth, but what I'm wanting to know, Scarf's wanting to know, the listeners are wanting to know, tell us about the time you came up with your legendary goal celebration, the Golden Shower.
2: That was actually a goal I scored for Arsenal against Everton in the Premier League. I hit it 30 yards out. By the way, thanks for this pizza as well. You guys... You, you got all this, did you? Yeah, for me, that's absolutely. Popping. Just for you.
1: Yeah, and all this we,
0: mountain of Funyuns too. We try and take care of our special guests.
2: VIP treatment, appreciate it.
0: And warm Heinekens, let's not forget
2: that. Yeah, yeah, and if Heineken listening, again, similar to Funyuns, I'm available. I hit this ball so sweetly, top right corner, and I was that excited. And I, it's only ever happened to me. When I've been playing FIFA, but I got I got an erection. <laughs> I've run over to the uh, to the crowd and I've realised my arms up and I've looked down. I've got a bit of a hard on here, and I've gone <laughs> to kind of hide it. And then I thought, no, you know what? I'm going to make something of this. So yeah, that's when the golden shower came off. I just was like, all right, let's get the fans involved, and it just you know just caught on, and people, pretty soon everyone was doing it. All
1: right, so let me ask you: It's 2008, and the moment has finally come where you're playing in a friendly against Spain, and this obviously is for the. England national team coach my turned, first my debut right coach turns to you and say alright gold we need your magic out there what happened next
2: yeah Capello turns to me and goes all right get out there son show us what you can do you know you're coming off a, a great season I ran out there and I had an agreement with a company at the time that I would show my ass in the first 90 seconds uh, sponsorship deal and I I did and I cause I had their logo on my butt cheeks. Mm. Are,
1: are you legally allowed to tell us what sponsor that was for that game?
2: Yeah, it was Triple Eight bet. It was a betting company. Done the eight, the ra- the the circle of the eight around. It was a lovely artistic piece on the on the ass. And the deal was that they would pay me quite a substantial sum to show it. But obviously, the challenge is to make it seem natural. And in hindsight, mm. no
1: pun intended. With hindsight, none, huh? Hi- hindsight.
2: Oh, because the ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually a bit of a sensitive subject to be honest, mate, because it was it was it was a tough time for me because I was trying. I was I walked around on the field and I was thinking, how can I show my ass without it seeming like I am obviously doing it for the money, right? So I am thinking, well, I could wait for a goal, but chance I am not going to score in, in ninety seconds, and that's what the that's what the deal was for, right? Right. right. So I thought, right, well, I'll just I'll just pretend that my shorts aren't on properly, you know, and I'll like drag them down and then check. But the ref seen it straight
1: away, sent me off
2: to be fair i did still get paid
1: and uh, and that was the only time you capped with england
2: yeah i mean that's not certain. so far yeah exactly let's not think i'm still waiting for gareth i know gareth southgate quite well and i still think i could do a good job for them up front
1: there's a little bit of a relationship that i want to ask you about and don't worry it's soccer based we'll okay, keep it good. we'll keep it yeah. soccer based we we were just lucky enough to have Vissel kobe come in oh, yeah. with uh, andres iniesta who we yeah. know that you know andres relatively well from your time in barcelona tell us a little about your time in barcelona and your experience with andres iniesta and the boys
2: andres iniesta as i call him cole pilkington i don't know if you guys have ever seen idiot abroad but they look exactly the same <laughs> I, I know andres a little bit i mean phil neville used to go out to uh, barca on, on weekends you know you can get a little easy jet flight out there for like 50 bucks 30 quid we used to go out and, and get pissed up on Las Ramblas, have a few beers. And um, <laughs> Phil knew some of the Barca boys and Andres and uh, Xavi would come out with us. And we'd go to a few bars, get the old uh, Sambucas down us, a few tequilas, a lot of beers. And I mean, I haven't really spoke to him for a while because there was a bit of a, a bit of a controversial thing that happened where I, I ended up getting arrested in Barcelona. And, and, and I thought Iniesta was going to give me some kind of character reference, but uh, he never showed up at court for that that was the infamous barcelona trial that i had as referenced in my show
1: if you haven't figured out who we're talking to i know we've plugged him quite a bit but at the gary gold on all of our hashtag sign gold that's right all the social media out there facebook instagram twitter at the gary gold this is the Gary Gold that we are lucky enough to talk to. It's our golden episode. Future
2: we, record goal scorer for Los Angeles Football Club.
1: Yeah, let's talk about another player that you have yet to play with, and and it seems kind of an odd bit of a relationship that you've developed uh, with Carlos Vela at both Arsenal and at Real Sociedad. It, it just happened to work out that after you left the team, they had to bring him in to fill those golden boots. Talk to us a little bit about you know, what it must be like for Carlos Vela to have to come in after Gary Gold.
2: Yeah, no, yeah, because obviously I was at Arsenal and I think, I don't know, if I think he arrived like two, 2004 or something and I'd, I'd already been there and then when I was at Real Sociedad in Spain, he, he arrived soon after that as well. He's obviously been living in my shadow for a while. Big boots to fill, of course. right. He's right. got small feet. But now... The tables have turned. Now I'm in Los Angeles, waiting to fill his spot on a team. Waiting for him to leave. And I actually was kind of excited when I saw some of the rumors that he was in Barcelona. I, I heard that they were interested in him, but I, I don't know. I, I think me and him could actually be quite. You know, it's weird because I've, I've, we've never had the chance to play together. Sure. So I think we could actually be a pretty formidable strike partnership. He's got the creativity. He can curl it from the, you know, from the edge of the area. I've seen some. He scored some great goals actually. But then when those balls are saved, they come off the post, I'm there to like smash it in the top corner. You do have
1: 172 goals.
2: 172 goals to my name, yeah.
1: In your career. Are you counting that own
0: goal that you had off the kickoff as one of those 172?
2: I actually count all my own goals, yeah. (laughs) They all count. I mean, it's all accuracy, isn't it? So of, of, of that 172, 12 of them are own goals. Oh, all right. I is, still, I still celebrate them. Is there with a the golden shower? With like a golden course. shower, that's right. Yeah.
1: Is there one in particular out of the 172 that you've scored that stand out?
2: Of the own goals or the the regular ones? The own goal. The best own goal would be obviously the one I scored from the halfway line.
1: Right, Well that's yeah. that's impressive. But yeah. what about of the 160 that were scored against the other team?
2: Well, obviously the first. I think the first one for Arsenal was special. You always remember your first.
1: The second you said time. that last week. <laughs> I was going to say, that's the second time in two podcasts that we've used that phrase. Thank you. You never yeah.
2: forget your first. That should be like our t-shirt right there. The one against Everton, of course, where I got the old, the old hard on, where the golden shower came from. That was a classic. That was actually goal of the month, Premier League. Match of the day, goal of the month, that one.
0: Now, a couple of things, like we we talked about, you know, the Barcelona time, the trial of course. We talked about some of like your career highlights in England. There's a couple of things I want to ask you. You mentioned you injured John Terry twice. And I also know that you spent a little while at Chelsea. Did you injure John Terry while at Chelsea or against him? Tell us about that and how you fell out of favor with Mourinho.
2: Yeah, I was at Chelsea uh under Mourinho playing with john terry listen everyone knows john terry's a bit of a wanker okay he used to do all the he used to try and bully me i was at chelsea i was 21 he was the captain he would try and whip me with a towel as i came out the shower all that kind of schoolboy stuff right and that, we all knew he'd also been shagging uh wayne bridge's missus <laughs> everyone knew that okay and i'm actually a good friend of wayne bridge nice guy so i thought you know, and John was, you know, always niggling me on the training ground because obviously he'd be marking me. He was in the first team, I was wasn't at the time, and he would he would be like pinching me and you know giving me in my ear. That's what a lot of defenders do in the Premier League. It's a very competitive, you know, uh, atmosphere, and so I thought, well, okay, I'm going to get you back. So I went in two footed uh, in the tra- on the training ground, and it was straight in his uh, crown jewels. He was actually out for four weeks with a torn scrotum, so. Mourinho, of course, you know with John being his number one player, Mourinho didn't like that, and he he came up to me and he sent he sent me off the training ground. And but again, I got the last laugh there as well because he left uh, he left Chelsea soon after that. I told, I told Abramovich that he'd been going around doing stupid Russian accents, so I actually um I outlasted Mourinho the special one. Fair enough. Now I gotta ask you, you were voted the most hated man in England.
0: How did that come to be?
2: Well. The vote was rigged, to be honest. Like, there's no, you know, like, normally, everyone knows I'm a legend. Everyone, you know, you speak to 90% of people, 80% of them will tell you that I'm a legend. But what happened was I was playing for Milton Keynes at the time. I'd missed a a penalty in a a crucial game. The whole of Milton Keynes got together and decided they were going to rig this vote, which, by The Sun, by the way, which is not a reputable uh, publication. (laughs) They rigged the vote, and all of Milton Keynes, which is not a lot of people, but they—they they kind of, I guess, they set up fake profiles and stuff, and they basically all voted for me to be the most hated man in England, and I won. And that's, you know, you got to think like oh, that's Nigel Farage is there, uh, yep. Piers Morgan.
1: Yeah, Piers Morgan, one of the one of the um, names that Americans would know at least.
2: Simon Cowell. Yep. All these wankers, and you know, and they vote for me. No, I ain't having it. Um, I don't. I don't take it personally. I mean. Milton Keynes people have got a lot to be annoyed about. You know, I'm probably the least of their worries. I don't know if you've ever been there, but.
0: You mentioned Milton Keynes, and you know what? If it wasn't for uh, that vote, now that you've shed the light on that subject, if it wasn't for
2: Milton Keynes boys, you actually wouldn't be
0: here in LA today. Is that the case?
2: Well, that's, yeah, sounds funny, that, isn't it? The way life works sometimes. It was actually the the school kids from Milton Keynes who pranked me and uh, gave me the the phone call to make me think that. Los Angeles Football Club wanted to sign me. I flew out here, you know, with with high hopes of resurrecting my career in the MLS. It turns out that LAFC weren't even a club yet. and They didn't have a stadium. I think I got the last laugh because I'm still here. I would
0: say so. And we're happy that you're still here. And you're clearly happy about LAFC because you're still rocking the gear. And I got to say, I've got a boatload of jerseys. I mean, you might as well call me Philly the Jersey, although geographically that would confuse a lot of people, but I'm rocking my number 69 gold jersey, so we're definitely happy that you're here. We have spent an awful lot of time talking about your career in England, your trials in Barcelona. Why don't we take a quick break and let's let our fans and our listeners know about your time here in LA and your attempt to make the LAFC roster. So we're going to take a quick break and uh, now a word from our sponsor. Welcome back to episode 7 of Defenders of the Bank with your boy Philly, the Scarf, and of course, the legendary number 69, Gary Gold. up. For those of you who don't know who he is, I would highly recommend you pull up your web browser right now, go to YouTube, and search for The Gary Gold Story. It was just released yesterday, the entire saga, and we're so very happy to have Gary talk about the show and his time at LAFC. We've talked about your time in Europe, but we're here in the U.S., so why don't we talk about that? Scarf, I know you had a bunch of questions you wanted to ask Gary. Why don't you take it away?
1: We're talking about a pretty incredible story that goes back all the way through, what, August of 2017 or so, when you got what you thought was, of course, a phone call from Peter Goober and the ownership group of LAFC it turned out, of course, to be a prank call from some Milton Keynes kids, but... It led you down a pretty unique path. You arrive at what you thought would be Bank of California Stadium. You see it being built. Yeah,
2: just a load of cranes and some rubble. Yeah, but you took you it thought as the an, Galaxy played there. <laughs> yeah, you took it as they
1: play in a park. You took it as Dignity an opportunity, helped. not as a setback. Tell the fans hmm. a little bit about the the courage and the fortitude that it took for Gary Gold to move past what you saw on that day to where you are now.
2: I'm a big believer in fate, okay, and law of attraction as well. I think if life gives you lemons, get some salt and do a tequila shot.
0: <laughs> Not a bad idea.
2: That's what I say. In fact, thank you for getting you got. Some, I see you got some tequila there. I wouldn't mind a bit of that. No, we could <laughs> we,
0: we could do that and just toast exactly to what you said.
2: It was a knockback finding out that a there was no stadium and b that. There was no contract and see that I wasn't even speaking to the club and it was just some school kids in Milton Keynes. A lot of people would have just, you know, put their tail between their legs and gone home. I was ready for a new chapter and I thought, OK, this is a, this is actually an opportunity. It's an opportunity to reinvent myself, bring football to a growing football-loving country and three, score some goals for a, probably the most exciting team in the MLS. So I stuck around.
1: Yeah, obviously you're in incredible shape right now. Some would call it playing shape. Some would call it even, even better than that.
2: Mid-season form, if anything. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying my best on that Funyun diet.
1: Right, right. It's, it's like Onions keto. and Heineken. It's like keto, but different. Well balanced right? diet. But tell us about what you do, how you train, what you do to stay in shape. You know, what is it like being Gary Gold and having to keep up this physique?
2: I like the rule, you know, five portions of vegetables a day. Four of those are usually chips.
1: Okay.
2: (laughs) I'll sometimes have an apple.
1: An an uh, apple a day, right? An
2: apple a day, yeah. Makes you work, rest, and play. I'm not a big believer in the whole six-pack culture. You know, the kind of...
0: Unless you're holding one, of course.
2: Yeah, different type of six-pack. I like them. I like I like one in my hand, not one in my under my gut. Of, of course, that's where they're eventually going. <laughs> I am not a believer in the Ronaldo thing of let's get ripped, let's take photos on Instagram. You, you'll see that my Instagram is very classy. You know, I always have my clothes on. I do believe in working on what I need to work on, which is smashing the ball in the top corner, running a bit. You know. Jogging, yep. I suppose you call it, not yep. really sprinting. Jogging, uh, it's a silent job. And I've been training alone for the past past eight months. You mentioned that. Harry
0: Redknapp used to make you train alone. Why was that?
2: Well, he fell out. Oh, that was when I was at Portsmouth, playing for Portsmouth. He was manager at the time. I mean, he had a bit of a temper on him, so I thought I'd have a, I'd play a little trick on him. I thought it'd be funny to put a Komodo Dragon, which, which, I, which I borrowed off Sol Campbell, i thought it'd be funny to put a komodo dragon in his locker and it was it was bloody hilarious to be honest with you so he's opened the locker and he's seen it and you know you thought harry redknapp had a red face normally (laughs) you should see him when he's run half a mile down the road with a komodo dragon chasing him (laughs) of course all the lads found it hilarious but he didn't he banned me from training made me made me train alone just me and the me and the dragon. So,
1: <laughs>
2: but I had the last laugh. He didn't last long at Portsmouth. It's it's weird that whenever I fall out of a manager, they they rarely last long at the club. So oh,
0: I thought you meant the Komodo dragon.
2: Well, no, unfortunately he didn't last long either. But I just didn't know what to feed him. And Saul Campbell was. Uh, I guess he changed his number because I couldn't get a hold of him.
1: So you get to LA, you pull up to the stadium, you see what you see, but then you you're able to see the rest of Los Angeles, Rodeo Drive. You know the beautiful scenery, the beautiful people, the beautiful culture the days in what right the days in that we see you at over the course days of days in Hollywood, yeah, shout right.
2: out to them, give me a free room that's right. <laughs> free over the night. course
1: of the uh, the Gary Gold story there on YouTube, what was being on Rodeo Drive and really get to experience l a for the first time? What was that like?
2: It's a bit underwhelming to be honest with you. I mean well, when you first you think at Hollywood, you think, okay. This is where George Clooney lives and Brad Pitt and all these blokes and you come down there and you go to Hollywood Boulevard and it, it's a bit of a <laughs> I mean, let's face it. But there's also something charming about it. You know, you walk down that street and there's an energy to it. You see the guy in a Superman costume. You see the... And you know it's not Superman, but it looks a little bit like him. And there's got you've got the souvenir shops where they're selling the, like, plastic Oscars. And, like, yeah, you know they're not the Oscars, but they look quite like them and you can get one for your mum and send it to Christmas and she likes it (laughs) something charming about you see the stars and you're like okay this is not exactly it does smell a bit like piss (laughs) this is not exactly how I imagined it but when is life like how you imagine it right and I I kind of it feels a little bit like my spiritual home people recognize me there as well and I don't know if that's because they know football or they just they can sense celebrity you know so i'll often just walk up and down hollywood boulevard and people i'll just sign autographs and i I don't know whether people know is who i am or whether they just want someone to sign something who knows
1: and you'll oblige either way
2: i'll always sign something yeah i'll sign anything not a check i won't sign i'll very rarely sign a check but (laughs) i'll sign anything else
1: so yeah let's let's talk about the culmination of that gary gold story let's first let's talk about your agent you have your Diego agent, Bravo. Diego Bravo, who initially approached you with the offer of a trial. Tell our listeners how that evolved from that, that first day with a trial to what happened on April 29th there at Bank of California Stadium.
2: I was training alone, obviously, and this guy, this kind of weird guy was watching me from a yeah. distance and I kind of went up to him a little bit like, what are you doing, mate? And he turns out to be an agent. I thought he was a football agent to be honest with you but he's he turns out he's he's more of a just an agent he represents a number of entertainers and I guess to be honest... Chuckles, Chuckles is one of them yeah and, and actually I am an entertainer as well is that's never it's never been said that I'm not entertaining so yeah Diego came up to me and look I'll be the first to admit I wasn't wasn't totally convinced when I found out his office was his also his car
0: nothing like an Acura office
2: Lovely guy, and clearly believed in me, so I decided to give him a go. Ten percent, right? What's ten percent of nothing? Nothing. So if he gets me a contract, I am thinking ten seven million dollars. Still not. It's not. What is it? A hundred thousand. Really? Oh, More than I thought. But <laughs> either way, it's not. It's still money I am going to get because of his help. So I thought, let's give this guy a go. Plus, his brothers apparently were building a stadium. He had the three brothers who worked on the building site there, building the bank so I was sort of all. So I was thinking, this guy's got connections.
0: And with those connections, you actually had a tryout.
2: Yeah, he got me a tryout. He did promise me that and he delivered. Unfortunately, it was with the uh, youth team, the under-14s, I think. Of course, I still stepped on the field and delivered, showed what I could do. But I think it was just in front of the wrong people because I ended up getting knocked out, didn't I?
1: Well, but you also must have knocked out some people that were watching at LAFC because your story didn't end there. No, it kept going on. Tell the listeners about Carla.
2: Carla's my my girlfriend, my novia, as they say. <laughs> She's a bit of a firecracker, always unpredictable. We, we met at Rusty Mallets on uh, Hollywood Boulevard. Very uh, familiar with that. Uh, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Karaoke bar, isn't it? Sung careless whisper together. She asked if I wanted to leave for a cheeky in and out. Uh-huh. Of course, I said yes. Turned out she meant the fast food place. That worked out well as well because obviously right next door to my hotel, so I didn't have far to walk home. So
0: what you're saying, Animal Style was still on the menu?
2: Oh yeah. She went through a double double, and I was like, she just she nailed that, and I was like, this is love. <laughs> about three days later went out on our first date and then a week later she moved into my hotel room there my suite at the days Inn. and yeah she's it's just nice you know it's nice to be able to share my my journey with someone um, who doesn't speak a lot of english but seems to understand me <laughs> somehow
0: how much spanish have you learned thus far
2: Mi amo gary gold um <laughs> uh, hablo, hablo espanol um uh yo tengo. Own contract poor Los Angeles Football Club,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much all the Spanish you need to know at this point. Talk to us about the billboard. I gotta say, seeing that billboard up yeah, close—picture of it on my phone—so close to the home of LAFC, Bank of California Stadium. You know, the billboard wasn't just done by Gary Gold; it was a great idea, of course, by your agent, but joint idea, right? But you needed the help of the fans of LAFC, and especially the 3252, in making some of that happen. Talk to us about the billboard and what it must have been like seeing up there in lights sign gold. I will say that my
2: agent did pitch me the idea of, like, we need to get a message to the club. To s- Clearly, they're unaware of my presence here in Los Angeles. We need to put myself on their radar so what better way of doing that than them hiring a billboard across the st- street from the stadium that says sign gold? And what I didn't anticipate before I arrived in Los Angeles is that I would be supported by all of these incredible fans who know football, and know football culture, and they know a football legend like myself when they see one. Clearly. So these guys, without my encouragement but with my support, set up the Gary Gold fan club, the gold members. Big shout out to uh, Jose. Jose Salcedo at the District 9 Ultras, he's, he's the president of the gold members. We thought, well, this is a great way of combining the dream with all my fans, giving them a chance to be part of the dream. So we set up the GoFundMe campaign and, yeah, raised enough money to get the billboard outside the stadium. said sign gold. It's right there, literally across the street. Clearly it did some work because I got a call from the club to say, come down, match day, first home game. Show us what you can do. So I'd like to thank all those guys, all those fans who believe me, believe me, and I hopefully I'll repay
1: them with a lot of goals on the field. So yeah, you mentioned the phone call that you received. That's really the pivotal turning point of episode six, where you're asked to come down to the stadium, April 29th, first game at Bank of California, and you're told, all right, Gary, we need to see what you can do out there on the pitch. What's going through your mind? It seems like... The culmination of this almost year long journey that you've been on. Tell us about that first day, the home opener for LAFC.
2: A lot of emotions really. Excitement, relief, arousement Sexual tension. Will I score? It's always a question. Right. On my debut, you know, it's always nice to deliver. Get to the stadium and you can just feel the excitement and it's a big deal for everyone in, in LA, you know. This is like the first time this this stadium that I saw as a building site with all the cranes and everything—it's first time that this is going to be actually used as a place for for football and where dreams come true. And I'm going to be a part of that. And I was I was buzzing. I was really buzzing. Of course, get down there and be greeted by the fans like the returning king. And yeah, let's just—I mean, I don't really want to—I don't want to uh, spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen the show yet. But let's just say it didn't quite pan out as I as I hoped, but I still think I made an impact that day.
1: Yeah, of course, you know, we had the world premiere of chapter seven of the Gary Gold story at Free Play LA a couple of weeks ago. And of course, despite some technical difficulties, the the grandeur of the finale of that piece really came through there in chapter seven. And you just released it to the public yesterday again, youtube.com backslash the Gary Gold to see not just the seven chapters of the Gary Gold story, but your time up in Seattle before we had our opener at Bank of California Stadium. Very bold. Yeah, you actually went undercover. Tell us a little bit about what that was like, really being able to feel the pulse of the fans up there in Seattle for our first ever game.
2: Yeah, well, I I went undercover to try and get some intel on the opposition. You know, I knew that Seattle, Seattle Sounders would be our first home game, and I knew that I was destined to play in that game. So I was thinking, okay, I'll pay for my flight up to Seattle. Not cheap, not an easy jet flight, that's for sure. More like 150, 150 bucks. But I did it because that's how much I, 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 wanted to beat them. Right. So sure. I went, I went there. Seattle's a great footballing, footballing city. Don't have a lot much else going on to be honest with you up there. So
0: similar I'll, weather to England, though.
2: Similar weather, yeah, which was nice, not. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I met some of the fans and got some got some of the inside knowledge on how to beat them. And, and the video that I filmed and got to the team, I'm sure, had some impact on us beating them.
0: Well, you exposed some of the weaknesses that the fans told you about. And as a result, we shut them out. Tyler Miller's first game and goal, he shut them out. So clearly that Barry Bold intelligence went a long way.
2: Very smart person, very intelligent guy.
1: All right. So here we are right before season two of LAFC. And of course, after they hear this podcast and and they see, obviously, a lot of the exploits of the Gary Gold story chapters one through seven on YouTube, where chapter seven is kind of the culmination of the first year of LAFC and your experience with them. What's in store for Gary Gold for LAFC Season 2, where do you see yourself going from there?
2: Starting up front, scoring a load of goals.
1: We notice in your career that you have, a few times in your career, you've left a team and then the person who tends to fill those shoes, both at Arsenal and then Real Sociedad, is Carlos Vela. Is that a message to Carlos Vela?
2: More of a message to Bob Bradley, to be honest with you. My message to Carlos would be like, Let's get together. You put the crosses in, I'll head them in. The rest of Bob would be, what are you doing, mate? I've been here for a year. Sign me. <laughs> Sign gold. And I think once the fans see the finale of the, the, the story, they watch the seven episodes, they'll realise, okay, this guy's a legend. And this guy deserves to be in our team and making a... Being part of what is a historic new team in, in, in MLS... I, I've I've obviously done everything most people would want to do in their career. I've got nothing left to prove right now. All I can offer is goals. I'm here. LaFC need goals. That's what they're going to get from me. So let's just let's just f- finalize this thing. I, I know that Diego Rossi, I heard, does just got his green card. Right. So that opens up another slot on the. Uh...
0: Exactly. I was just about to say that international slot available for you.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't have a green card, but I've, I've had a number of red cards in my time. So
1: <laughs>
2: let's make it happen.
1: Yeah, so Gary, let's talk about the LFC roster right now. Obviously, you're very familiar with a lot of players on the roster. If you could sit down and, and have a warm Heineken <laughs> with any of the players on LAFC's roster, who would it be?
2: If I could buy a one player a drink.
1: Yeah, if you could buy, buy any player a, a drink, who would you like to sit down and have a drink with?
2: Latif Blessing, because he only drinks water. <laughs> Cheap date.
0: <laughs>
2: Good guy, though, as well. He came down to my screening. Lovely guy. In fact, just found out that he's doing his own little GoFundMe for sending some money to his uh, Ghanaian village to help bring football to yeah. things. So everyone should check that out. I didn't realise that, but uh, what little money I have, I might put some money into that. And lovely guy. I kind of think we could be a great, not only a great duo on the field, but maybe a good comedic duo. I'm, I'm thinking about moving into acting. So, Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. <laughs> you heard it here first. Latif Blessed and Gary Gold.
1: Yeah, you know that was going to be you know my next question for you, Gary. You you've said several times you've done everything that you think you could or that you would have wanted to do in the world of football. Do you see yourself at any point coaching?
2: I think I could. I could manage yeah I think I know enough about the game I certainly know how to get the best out of people both on the football field and at the bar (laughs) I think I've got another I I would like to think I've got another five or six years of playing time in me and then maybe I'll think about managing Arsenal or something Thierry Henry can't do much worse than him can I
0: he (laughs) managed his
1: way out of Monaco
2: yeah, is he Does he been sacked? He's done. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't even know that. No
1: more Thierry Henry. Okay, oh, no. well, yeah. let's
2: get him out to America. Me and him will have a laugh. Like I'm sure he can manage. Let's get him in the galaxy. Let's really, <laughs> let's really get them. Uh, you know, that, that's one thing I want to say. There should be a relegation in Major League Soccer. I
0: completely agree.
2: Because this is important, right? I would say 50% of the excitement in English football is because you know people are going to get relegated if they don't play well. If you take that away, then half the tension is gone.
0: And look, the the nice thing about being in that high-pressure situation, if you can't manage your way to stay in the Premier League and you fall down a division, ask Sunderland. Just make a documentary about yourself and stay relevant. Uh,
2: Yeah, I did watch that. My old mate, Chris Carman, my old manager. He He was my manager at Fulham. Didn't do much there, but great documentary. Good good entertainment. Very similar, you might say, to the Gary Gold story in that respect.
0: Sunderland till I die. I hope there is a Gary Gold till I die. I'm a fan. A couple more questions for you, Gary, and we'll let you get out of here because we know you got a lot of... Uh...
2: Are you guys going to pay for my Uber again, out?
0: It, it won't be an Uber pool, I can promise you that.
2: But it will be an Uber.
0: Yeah, yes, it will be an Uber. We are a brand-new podcast for money is kind of tight we'll shell out a little more just so you can avoid the lift, don't worry guys
2: you know. once i've been on i guarantee you'll get a sponsor that's a gold promise
0: hopefully we get that golden shower of opportunity thanks to you sir now we asked what drink you would buy a player but let me ask you this fan comes up to you whether it be these two chuckleheads that you're speaking with what does gary gold like to drink and if a fan were to offer to buy him around what would it be
2: just beer that's any it. kind of keep beer. it simple if, if it's in a pint glass, I'll drink it. Unless it's some bodily fluid, but if it's beer and it's in a pint glass, I'll drink it. There's been a lot of fans out there that have have kindly put a pint in my hand at games. Keep them coming. Fair enough. I'll put them away. That's what I say about goal scoring chances, and that what I say about beer as well. So,
0: <laughs> Scarfy, if he came to hang out with us in the uh, in the Founders Club, we couldn't really buy him a variety because all we do have is Heineken. We'd have to go down to Figueroa. To get him the Bohemia, huh?
1: Yeah, we're hoping that we get Bohemia up in the Founders Club.
0: Uh, at least we get to drink for free. Yeah, you
1: know, speaking of which, Gary, you've played football all over the world, some of the best stadiums on the planet. What is it like to stand and be a part of the 3252 at Bank of California Stadium?
2: It's great. Yeah, I mean, it's it was really... That's not something I expected. It's one of the best atmospheres I've experienced. Of course usually I'm on the field this time I'm in the stands but uh, for now for now for now yeah until next season I I was blown away by the level of passion and noise dedication that you get from from the hardcore LAFC fans again that's one of those things that makes this journey so much more exciting because it's like you, you know you want to be playing for fans that appreciate the game that know the sport that know a real goal scorer they know and and they know the history and all and the the people I've met here know all of that. I think it's the best group of fans in America for any sport. And I can't wait to deliver to those guys, so.
0: All right, Gary, I got one last question for you before we let you go. What is one thing that you could share with our listeners about yourself that only Gary Gold knows?
2: Well, I know who David Beckham shagged. <laughs> not and I'm not talking about Victoria, but look, we we're running to the end of end of the the show here, so I don't have, probably have long enough to read out the list.
1: <laughs> I
2: also put I do know why uh, why C man left. LaFC, do tell. Because Bob Bradley wants to have the shiniest head in LaFC. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually heard him say I've got the shiniest head, no one else, and obviously c-man was the uh the victim of that
0: I, I never would have guessed that would you scarf
1: no you know i think it could be part of the reason why you've kind of had an on or, on the pitch off the pitch relationship with them your hair is really, immaculate it's the stuff of legend and yeah. there could be a little bit of jealousy there between between bob and and your hair
2: you could say that but i also know that opposites attract so i think bob and huh. full-headed hair gary gold could be a great combination so bring it on, Bob, if you're listening. You might not have hair, but you do have a brain underneath that. So Sign Gold. Sign Gold.
1: <laughs> yeah, and again, if you're looking to follow the incredible story of footballer Gary Gold, it is truly an inspiring tale of perseverance, of stick-to-itiveness, and of Heineken and several other beers. Go to at the Gary Gold on facebook twitter instagram youtube it's an incredible story chapters one through seven the first year saga of gary gold now complete on youtube along with some fantastic extras so gary again thank you so much for giving us some time here on defenders of the bank with philly scarf
2: i appreciate you guys having me on i appreciate all the funnings and the beers you guys are doing a great podcast and it's great to to have my unfiltered words to the fans <laughs>
0: Unfiltered, they most certainly were. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. This was episode seven of Defenders of the Bank with Philly, the scarf, and
1: Gary Gold.
0: Absolutely. All right, we'll speak to you next time. JR, what do you normally leave off with?
1: Hashtag signed gold. Sign gold, baby. Sign gold. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>